Hello and welcome to season two of the Peach Space. If you haven't already subscribed to the Peach Space, please do so. You can go on Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, and you'll be notified of any new episodes that are released. Palette Life Sciences, the sponsor of this podcast, and they're committed to bringing educational tools to the Peach Space. We really focus on sharing best practices and compelling conversations across a wide variety of pediatric urology and, and VUR topics. And the content of today's episode is solely the opinion of Dr. Hodges. Dr. Hodges is board-certified pediatric urologist at Wake Forest Baptist Health in North Carolina. So in this episode, Dr. Hodges is going to discuss how to properly diagnose and treat children who turn their rectums from a sense an emptying organ to a storage organ and its effect on the pelvic floor. But after this, please be sure to check out Dr. Hodges' website and it's bedweddingandaccidents.com. That's bedweddingandaccidents.com. It's a fantastic resource for patients, for parents, and for healthcare providers. And now, without further ado, it's Dr. Hodges. Okay, thanks so much. This is Dr. Steve Hodges from Wake Forest University School of Medicine. And Palps was nice enough to ask me to talk a little bit about the role of dysfunctional elimination in reflux and UTI in children. I think it's important to define what we mean by dysfunctional elimination, more particularly constipation when we discuss reflux and UTI, because everyone knows um, that constipation is a risk factor for UTI, and everyone at least pays lip service to the fact that they treat constipation or look for constipation. But what we found, and a lot of others have found, is that what you mean by constipation is very important, how you define it. So if you define constipation as uh, rare bowel movements or hard bowel movements and you treat it to with that measurement or that those guidelines in terms of what you're trying to achieve you may undertreat it and what we describe in our research and our, uh, our evaluation as constipation is an abnormal accumulation of, of a stool in the rectum. The rectum is supposed to be a sensing and then emptying organ, not a storage organ. Unfortunately, children turn it into a storage organ by a very uh, common behavior of, of uh, delayed defecation. What that does is cause numerous perturbations in the function of the pelvic floor and the bladder and the colon itself. For example, if you dilate the rectum, we know that this can cause abnormal function and inability to relax the pelvic floor easily. Uh, we also know that this can cause bladder dysfunction, uh, including overactivity more, more commonly, but also underactivity. What's less discussed is that not only does this dilation of the rectum affect bladder function, but it's the most common cause of incontinence, whether that be a nocturnal enuresis or overactive bladder incontinence during the daytime. And, and as it disrupts the pelvic anatomy, it also disrupts the, the floor of the bladder, and that affects the anatomy of the ureters, which are bringing urine into the trigone to drain in an appropriate manner. And when they are pulled laterally by this rectal mass, you get abnormal ureteral function, and it's one of the main causes of, of persistence of reflux. So when we talk about constipation, we need to make sure we properly uh, define the term and also properly diagnose it. So again, so what we, we're going to talk about today as constipation is an abnormal accumulation of feces in the rectum, which can be diagnosed by anorectal manometry, which would be signified by delayed sensation to balloon encephalation on, on anorectal manometry or by a KB x-ray, which would demonstrate a fecal mass in the rectum. Once we know that we have that, we know this is a risk factor. And if we have a patient with bedwetting or incontinence or reflux and UTIs, that we can treat this problem and that will play a role in improving the outcome of that child. Going back to the 80s with Dr. Regan's work, when he first was treating nocturnal enuresis, 
in children, primarily with an enema regimen. What he found was that the female patients, you almost always had a high rate of urinary tract infections. And if he was able to treat the nocturnal enuresis, he was also able to treat the urinary tract infections as, a, as an added bonus. So by removing this fecal mass in the rectum, not only did it re restore normal bladder function, but it removed the source of the bacteria and therefore decreased the risk of UTI in these girls. And that was his first uh, hint that there's more to this. As he extended his research, he found that not only are, are uncomplicated UTIs common in children with a fecal mass, but also complicated UTIs and reflux. And that's when the uh, theory and uh, teaching of the disruption of the, of the bladder floor due to rectal dilation and the persistence of reflux in these children with constipation, and is a high rate of resolution of reflux in children with aggressive treatment of uh, 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 fecal retention in the rectum. So another point, the second point I guess we want to make is that once we define constipation, if we can then treat it, that definition, we can have a much higher rate of resolution of those problems. Now, fecal, rectal, fecal retention of, of, of stool, then as, as we mentioned, we have a higher risk of certain ab abnormal conditions of bladder function. These include um, urinary tract infection, urinary frequency, urgency, urinary incontinence, and nocturnal enuresis. Not only that, but we have found in our research that there are some cases of actually bladder dysfunction um, along the sensory parameters, which would be um, dysuria, especially in young boys. So, if we look at that model um, that we're describing and we know how the nerve function of the bladder uh, and the nerve anatomy of the bladder is, is laid out, we see that this rectal dilation affects these nerves in a negative manner and then can lead to all these conditions. Whether the sensation of uh, the need to urinate is abnormally stimulated or the urgency to urinate is abnormally stimulated or the actual um, uninhibited bladder contraction occurs. And again, we all know there's an ascending model of urinary tract infection where the bacteria from the perineum, uh, which is colonized with uh, the pathogenic bacteria, ascends into the bladder. A steady source of bacteria is present in that fecal mass in the rectum, a very short distance from the female urethra, uh, which again leads to these UTIs. And if we think about, again, the anatomy issue of the bladder floor, um, then we get a double whammy when we treat this problem, not only do we remove the source of bacteria, we re remove a source of dysfunction that is contributing to the persistence of reflux. Now, that being stated, where, where do we find the role of treating reflux in these children? Wh where I'd like to discuss deflux here is that if you diagnose a child with reflux and with recurrent UTIs and with this, a significant dysfunctional elimination due to rectal dilation, this problem will not be fixed overnight. This is problem will take most likely months to years of treatment. Some of this treatment will be very aggressive, including enemas. Um, and our program is um, uh, very well known for using enemas quite often and, and, and regularly. From the point of diagnosis, however, and previously until the point of cure, that child is at risk for UTI, uh, not only to UTI, but um, of polynephritis and uh, renal scarring. So we think there's two roles for deflux these children. Number one, it can treat the reflux at point A, at the very beginning. And then you limit the risk of the UTIs while you are spending these six to 12 months treating this 
bowel and bladder dysfunction. So treating early helps bridge you to cure. And so that's why it's important, uh, we feel, to do um, a treatment for this reflux when they're having difficulties, specifically infections, because otherwise the time to resolve that will take be so great you run the risk of uh, more infections and scarring. Second, secondarily is if you do deflux and you treat the bladder dysfunction, your cure rates go way up. The main risk factor for failure of deflux that we've seen in our clinic is dysfunctional elimination other than volume loss, but we have migration of the injection, injection site due to this bladder dysfunction, due to this constipation and this, this disruption of the normal bladder floor due to this fecal mass. If you eliminate that, if you treat the, the constipation and restore normal rectal anatomy as well as bladder anatomy, the deflux rates are very high and approach those of reimplant. And I think the data backs that up. So to summarize, we think it's very important to properly diagnose at least what we mean by constipation and bowel and bladder dysfunction. And that means an abnormal dilation of the rectum due to fecal retention. That can lead to the dysfunctional elimination problems, the spectrum of problems we see in bowel and bladder dysfunction. And by treating that aggressively, we can resolve those problems most rapidly. Deflux has a role in these children by treating the reflux in these children early on so they have lower risk of infection while you treat the chronic bowel and bladder dysfunction, as well as a reciprocal role of treating bowel and bladder dysfunction, which will then make your cure rates for deflux much, much higher, approaching those of reimplant. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Please feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions. We have resources online at bedwettingandaccents.com where we discuss in detail the role of rectal dilation and constipation in bedwetting, daytime wetting, uh, urinary tract infection, and urinary reflux. Uh, Again, it's Dr. Steve Hodges from Wake Forest University. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us this week on the Pete Space. For a more detailed perspective on bladder and bowel dysfunction, listen to Dr. Hodges' previous podcast on the Pete Space. Also, please share this episode with your colleagues while we deliver more pediatric urology-focused content in the coming weeks. And for more educational content and upcoming webinars, please visit the Deflux Learning Center on deflux.com. Additionally, you can learn more about our company and our products at palatelifesciences.com. Thank mm-hmm. you.